Welcome to Frequencies, a podcast that shares stories and practical advice from creative leaders around the world. My name is Michelle Wang, and I'm the design and partnerships intern here at Butcher Shop, supporting with anything and everything for world's greatest internship. This episode is centered around the question, what makes a successful internship program? In part one, we're going to hear from some of our past WGI agency partners as they share their experiences and insights. In part two, I dive into conversations with our amazing interns we've had in past WGI editions to hear their sides of the story and what their opinion on the current state of internships is. We're hoping this can help agencies start or improve their internship programs, as well as provide value for prospective intern applicants. First, let's hear from our WGI Edition 2 agency partner, Listen Ventures. We talk about what special spark they look for in interns and what makes them attractive to a hybrid agency. This is my conversation with Brentos Fernandez. So my guest today is Brentos Fernandez, who joins us from Chicago, where he heads up creative and strategy for Listen, venture capital firm that specializes in backing and building breakthrough brands. Before Listen, Brentos worked in design and advertising as creative director at firms like Leo Burnett, DDB, and Barclay. Listen was one of our global agency partners for WGI Edition 2. Some of their clients include Calm, the sleep and meditation app, Factor, a health food brand, and many more. They also have their own podcast called Overheard, where venture meets culture, which you should check out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Brentos, it's so great to have you. Thanks so much for being here. Amazing. Well, uh, thanks for the, the, the great intro there. It's good that you've done your homework and know who you're talking to. And that's the first uh, best thing that you can do on a podcast. <laughs> so the big question I want to ask, what do you think is the most important aspect of an internship program like this? And essentially what makes or breaks a good internship? Yeah, I mean, I've hosted a, a variety of intern programs uh, because I've usually been creative director or at the top of a group. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think sometimes legacy agencies kind of treat an internship program as more of a lesser tier of, of creativity or, or a just a, a different tier, I guess you could say. What I see as working best is when you really integrate students or interns into uh, a project to where there's some accountability happening there, and you can really help shape sort of the, the, the goals of the individual intern in their personal growth, but also just help them really connect design or copywriting or technology, whatever their discipline is, to the business problems. A good creative director can kind of help shape that and take a raw idea that may be kind of left out of the room in typical circumstances, but really taking that and, and shaping it into a narrative that resonates with a business problem, you know, I think that's certainly the opportunity. Personally, I love to just put interns into a regular setting as opposed to keeping them separate and like a skunk works type situation. I would rather have them contributing and bringing fresh ideas and, and thoughts to the table in the rest of the group. And how did you go about creating and setting goals for your interns? What does that conversation look like? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is there's no shortage of designers in the world. Like everything is pretty now, like everything looks great. And so as we think about how we can help level up the output for interns, it's a matter of marrying craft and narrative. How do we really get to that storytelling, that communication of a novel way into understanding why this product is for me or, or why, you know, this content is super rad or, or whatever the, you know, um, way into the brand is. I think that it was really important for us to set up the why. Why are you making these decisions? So that was very much part of how we set up the goals was how can you not just jump straight into execution, but use the mood boarding phase, use just short conversations with the team to riff and to think about what ifs. We really love what ifs here and, and sort of dream a little. Out of that, we could then kind of judge where the concept is going and, and hone in on more specific, actionable details around a project, setting up guardrails. We love guardrails because it, it allows you to understand you know, when the idea is, is on fire and, and where we might be sort of getting distracted by something that 
is off brief or, or something like that. So, you know, that's really how the process worked and, and the goal setting worked. And then for, for projects and, you know, separately, we had ongoing discussions, weekly discussions around growth, personal growth, thoughts around the industry and, and all of that sort of thing. I'd actually like to jump back kind of towards the selection process of looking for an intern, because I think a lot of people who might listen to these podcasts are emerging creatives, maybe students, recent grads, and everyone wants to know what is the special spark that you're looking for in an intern? Yeah, you know, I think it's a timeless answer here. Like when I was, you know, I have, I focused on graphic design. I have a BFA. And when I was looking for work, it was really kind of showing your personality and your brand. Fast forward, however long that was. And, and now it's the same. It's you need to show your personal brand, but you also need to give folks a reason to remember you. And that could be, you know, a variety of things, but it's really showing your personality beyond the work. Because so, so much of your work coming out of school or earlier in, in your career is, you know, either by the instructor at school or perhaps, you know, um, drawbacks to a certain client or, or what have you. So it's really important to show the diversity of your thinking and, and your personal brand in your work. There's a lot of great nifty stuff out there that, you know, I would hang on my wall, but the things I was looking for is how do I communicate what my vision is? How do I communicate what the reasoning is behind these decisions I'm making? And then culturally, what am I into? I loved some of the folks that talked about what they were about. You know, I think there's a, there was a lot of great websites out there too that felt immersive and interactive and, and went beyond just submitting a, a PDF for an internship. I think really thinking of this as a assignment unto itself to show your personal brand is the most effective way to get hired and noticed by creative directors. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I think as someone who recently went through that process (laughs) just you know I'm also an intern right so I kind of was on the other side of that and a big part of it was I had to spend a lot of time working on my personal brand figuring out what that was but also figuring out what I wanted to get from an internship like this and how to position myself for that and I think that there's a lot of intangible parts of a great designer of a great creative that are often very difficult to reflect in a technical portfolio. And what I've noticed is that, you know, in my thinking, when I was kind of prepping myself for job hunting, I was like, well, everyone's just going to look at my portfolio. That's the first thing they're going to notice. So I have to have stellar work and that's it. But in reality, there's so much more than that. It's a lot about, like you said, your personality, drive, your ambition, like those things you can't really showcase very well in just a single website or just a single resume. I wanted to ask something that I think every intern wants to know is what makes an intern hireable after their program ends and how do you guys have that conversation? I mean, I think that collaboration is key. I I always say collaborate out of your comfort zone, smash ideas together. In the end, I'm looking for Uh, a a collaborative nature of a person with brave attitude towards problem solving. And what I mean by that is being able to understand feedback and not be dejected by it. That feedback could come from clients or your creative director. Being able to think about that and build upon that and understand why your idea might not be working and how to build upon that. So collaboration is key. And then the the craft of what you're doing, you need to put in the hours to showcase the idea. I think I've also seen creatives who have great ideas but lack the confidence or the hard work to really elevate that idea into a great execution. So at the end of an internship, really looking for brave and collaborative souls coming out of the end of that. Has there been any intern who did something that, you know, made you kind of, you were just amazed? Was there anything that stood out to you and you're like, wow, that person really did something different and I remember them? Yeah, I think it happens all the time, especially in regard to new technology. I love hybrid creatives who can think about projection mapping or Raspberry Pi like hacks to create something that is an experience that can solve a problem. I think that 
We've got to be that way. We've got to be uh, a total creative in today's world, as opposed to maybe a graphic designer or 2D designer or 3D designer, right? Being able to combine those talents in a way that can create experiences. I think that's where I've been most amazed is, is when folks can do that. I think folks that approach this internship like an entrepreneur, how can I figure out these rules to then give you something you're not looking for or conversation around cultural stigma, bringing in a, a, a provocative point of view that is off brief, but allows you to think deeper about the brief. So I want to jump onto a different topic now. We are trying to expand kind of our global talent network, and we're building essentially a platform that is designed for creative companies and creatives to connect them and get creatives onto high-performing teams. So I wanted to know what are the current ways that Listen is finding emerging talent? Besides just internships or word of mouth or personal network, is there any way that Listen is doing something unique in that aspect? Or maybe is there a need for something more curated for that creative industry? I mean, I think I think there's some folks out there trying to with like working, not working and, you know, all of those networks. But, you know, also we try to develop a strong network within our portfolio companies. So we don't we don't call our, our investments um, our clients. They're they're part of our portfolio and we're, we're helping them kind of express their brand to the world. And within each one of those, we might have a really great expertise in content creation. So much of what we do is network within our portfolio to connect folks from different teams in order to get that uh, hive mind going. It is about kind of extending our networks. When we make a new investment, we really look at their team and what they can bring to the table um, and then help recruit between teams or, you know, to, to new teams as needed. But I would say that there's no real magic sauce. It's hard to find great creatives that want to work in startup and help shape something that doesn't exist yet. You know, I think... So we all get kind of caught in wanting to work for a great company or, or a name company, right? Sometimes it's difficult to find that startup talent. I'm super happy to hear you guys are, are attacking an idea like that. It's super interesting to me, like we're in this gig economy. You don't have to be full-time anymore, right? It's like you can kind of have your side hustle and your other side hustle and perhaps go to an agency. Before I joined Less Than Full-Time, I was working freelance at several other agencies, and this was my side hustle. It's interesting to tap into that mentality as you start to build that network of um, collaborators rather than thinking of it as hires, right? Like who and how can you build a network of creative talent that comes in and collaborates and maybe moves on, but um, can can really help to shape um, how we view what creative roles look like versus sort of the, the tired way that, that they have always been looked at. Yeah, and I feel like the creative industry is still very much a Wild West <laughs> area where there's just, there's no blueprint for how you end up at a role. Like, you don't even need to go to design school. Like, I didn't go to design school, and I'm doing, like, a design internship, but I had always thought that that's what I needed to do. And so there's just so many, like, backdoors and ways you can, like, go about making your career in the industry. I mean, people get noticed on Instagram, Behance. And so it's always crazy to hear about the different ways people kind of make their path. Let me ask you a question. Are you seeing a lot more entrepreneurship in regard to the way, you know, candidates present themselves? It's like, it feels like everybody's kind of got their, not everybody, but like trend towards my t-shirt line or my product that I'm also creating or my book, my zine that I'm creating, like, are you, are you guys seeing that a lot in regards to the way the candidates are presenting themselves in, in this iteration of WGI? I mean, honestly, I was so blown away by looking at other people's portfolios. It was <laughs> humbling because there is so much good talent out there. And something I did notice for portfolios that stood out to me was if they were able to capture me in a simple bio, I think that was actually quite a underrated part of a portfolio is if you're able to express yourself in just a few sentences and I, you can capture my attention, that's actually really valuable. And I think that that is just as important as the work you're showcasing. 
But I do think that a lot of designers are actually very interested in strategy, including myself. We don't only want to be involved in the look and feel of a brand. We kind of want to know the business aspect of it. Why does this brand exist? Uh, how is it positioned in the market? And perhaps it's more of my bias because I did study you know, marketing and I did go to business school. But I think that that's definitely a trend. And on top of that, people are really good at creating their personal brand now. I think that's something with the emergence of things like TikTok, you know, Twitch, people are streaming, people are kind of getting this freedom to create their own brand. And, and it's like, you don't need permission from anyone to start a YouTube channel. You don't need permission from anyone to start your own company. People get so good so fast. And there's so many resources out there. Like you can just use the internet and figure out how to do it. Yeah. I mean, Depop, right? Like people are branding themselves on Depop. Like there's just so many channels in which you can create your brand and show your creativity. I mean, I, I'm just excited about that. I mean, that's really what trips my trigger. And you know, the writing is huge. Being able to write about yourself and writing what makes you special in, in a few words is, is incredibly important. One of my most favorite applications that I ever um, sent in was how would you, what's your tweet about yourself, right? Like 140 characters when that was a thing. That to me is fun and it's a cool way to think about how to encapsulate the spirit of why you're interesting. It's really, I mean, it's great how the creator economy is pushing influencers kind of out and it's about what can you create and I think that that is what people are looking for. They're looking for original ideas. I think ideas are leveling up even though some of the stuff may be recycled and respun. You know, I love that. I love a fresh take on something or, or working within a meme or a TikTok habit, but showing something fresh, right? So super excited about the creator economy. Well, I'd love to end on this last question and bring it back to the internship program, but what would be your piece of advice for agencies that want to start their own programs or people who manage these kind of programs and want to improve their programs? Getting out of your network and figuring out a wider net to cast for creative candidates and perhaps looking in places that you might not be expecting, business or, or technology, that sort of thing. As well as once you start the program, like how are you thinking about the innovation and the fresh perspective that those interns bring to the table? Beyond just kind of putting them in a silo and seeing what they come up with, how can you feed uh, the creativity there, kind of help the, the older creatives like understand fresh trends and, and that sort of thing. So. You know, I think it's something that I'm passionate about is bringing in these fresh perspectives and figuring out how you can apply those to everyday business problems, treating the internship program as something that is like pre-work. It should be real work, right? So, you know, thinking about it in that way, I think is always positive. In the following conversation, I chatted with some folks from the New York-based agency Gretel. I learned some fascinating things about Gretel's work culture, including how they set goals and guide interns towards productive and impactful experiences. And this is my conversation with Dylan Mulvaney and Emily Shane. So joining me today are Dylan Mulvaney, Head of Design, and Emily Shane, Junior Project Manager from Gretel. Gretel is a full-service platform agnostic design, branding, and strategy studio in New York City. They've worked with WGI for Edition 2 and this year's Edition 3, overseeing Gretel's internship program. Dylan has actually been a guest on our previous episode of Frequencies, so check out his episode called Unity Without Uniformity on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Dylan and Emily, so lovely to have you both here. Thanks for chatting with me. Great yeah, thanks here. for inviting us. Of course. So how is it having Parker and Eugene with you guys right now? Are you ready to return and exchange them for a refund are you happy customers <laughs> <laughs> we're we're really happy with them there's actually creatives in the studio right now fighting over who gets to have them next so it's been a great success <laughs> that's awesome so i just want to get into the big question of this episode what do you think is the most important aspect of an internship what makes or breaks a good internship i think for me there are a couple of different things that make a good internship First, and maybe most importantly, I think, is that real-world experience. I'm a big fan of John Dewey's educational theory, which is learning by doing. 
so whatever you want to learn, you just do a lot of it. <laughs> and that's how you get better. So school prepares you. You do have this solid base of knowledge. You learn our history and our tools and some techniques. And then you get to do some projects. But you're mostly working alone with a professor maybe that's acting as a client or creative director. So there's a lot of things you just can't learn in that school. And a good internship introduces you to a kind of real studio environment. And you get integrated into a diverse creative team. And then you have real work to do for a range of real clients. The second thing I think makes a good internship is contacts. So obviously, there's all of your coworkers, each of which have their own web of contacts that spread throughout the industry. They might be able to put you in contact with somebody at another place that you've been interested in or recommend you to a friend that's looking to fill a position. There's all the freelancers, especially for us, that you will cross paths with. And they have lots of contacts because they move around so much. A freelance project manager might introduce you to a studio that they're at or a freelancer you might want to work with might meet you that way. And then a little bit less obviously are also all the vendors, which are good contacts like printers or fabricators. You can start to build up your own database and learn what each of those guys are best at. I think another thing that makes a good internship is resources kind of building on that. Things like interesting blogs, new web tools, the place to get out-of-home mock-ups. You're also building a collection of those things that you'll have for the rest of your career. And I think the last thing for me that makes a good internship is the real-world work that you get to add to your portfolio at the end. It's something tangible that shows what you accomplished during that internship, and it gives you an opportunity to talk about your experience at that studio and the process and what you learned while you were there. And it gives you a little bit of added credibility that you can use to help get you where you want to go next. So in terms of goals and objectives, how do you guys create and set goals for your interns? And what does that conversation look like? We have both shorter term, more project-based goals. And then we have longer term personal development goals. And the shorter term ones vary from project to project. And even within a project, they'll change from day to day or phase to phase. So as an intern, your goal might be finding a source for sustainable hoodies or designing a stencil word mark or building all the final mechanicals for this big print run that's about to happen. So the kinds of things that could take a few hours to accomplish or on the longer end, maybe a few weeks. And they're usually part of something larger that the intern has been working on along with the team. So it's not kind of coming out of left field. And then in terms of longer goals, first, getting the intern comfortable in a studio environment. And then what we're trying to do is help them develop their design skills. So everything from their control over the basics, just like layout and color and type and image. Then learning what works in terms of satisfying a criteria. For a lot of people, this is the first time they're working with a real client or a real creative director. Then developing the ability to break some of the formal design rules without losing control over their work. All while increasing their speed and efficiency and trying to maintain an attention to detail and a thoroughness, which there's a bit of attention there, but all throughout your career, you're trying to get a little bit more efficient. We also want to develop their organizational skills for really tactical things like file management, and then some personal things like time management, which is really, really important. Learning how to plan for your work and prioritize tasks. When you're designing, learning when to let something go or when to dig deeper. And then what parts of a project or what phases it's worth putting in extra time. If you're going to be spending late nights on something, you want to do it in a place that's going to make a big difference. And then the last chunk is just interpersonal skills learning how to work within a team. A lot of times that's new. How to express your own thoughts and ideas and reactive feedback, and then adapting to the changing situation in a studio environment. <laughs> Lots of things come at you. Yeah. You know, when you were, when you were talking about that, it kind of made me think of the sandwich method of feedback where you say something really good, then you say the real thing, and then you say something really good at the end. <laughs> do you do that with your interns? <laughs> I'm not that prescriptive, but it is a good technique. <laughs> so I want to move on to the topic of company culture. What efforts do you guys do at Gretel to make your intern feel a part of the family? Is there anything fun that you guys kind of try to do or an energy you try to foster? Yeah, 
Well, a lot of the company culture, you just kind of absorb naturally, just interacting with everybody, watching and kind of working on all the different projects and sitting in and participating in meetings and stuff. If there's something that they're interested in that, that hasn't kind of happened organically, like seeing a naming process or learning how we handle new business, we'll try and set that up for them. But we also have all kinds of cultural activities that the whole studio participates in. So every Friday morning, we come together for one hour over breakfast for this thing we call the Roundup. A different person hosts it each week. And it's just a chance for them to share what they've been seeing and thinking about in design culture, but also just beyond. And the subject and format are totally open. So in the past, we've had people talk about like metal logos or sonic branding or ugliness. <laughs> it totally, totally varies. And then afterwards, we'll kind of open it up to discussion. People ask questions. We also have guests come in and do this sometimes. So recently we had Dynamo, which is a Swiss type design studio. They came in and they talked about how they've been using variable type as a programmatic design tool. And we also had this great New York architecture studio called Soft Firm in. And they talked about design as a tool for activism and showed some projects that they had done in Times Square that were around that. During quarantine, we've been able to do some virtual happy hours and attend kind of virtual events and conferences together. Once we can gather safely together in person, it'll open up more doors, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we're planning a movie night on the roof of our studio. No way. <laughs> and I'm really, That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start trying to host events or workshops or take advantage of that physical space since we have it again. And then since we can be together and travel together and things are starting to open back up, do some group field trips where we're going to talks or galleries or archives or anywhere we can get out into the world and find things beyond graphic design to inspire us. That's really interesting. I, I don't think I've heard of an agency that has guest speakers or guest agencies host these like weekly roundups. I think what it kind of says is that you guys have this culture of learning and it is constantly instilled within your employees is that people want to just learn about things. And it, it kind of reminds me of like the school setting, right, where you have guest speakers come and do presentations. And then you even called it a field trip. So I feel like that's <laughs> that <Yeah>. terminology <laughs> is just is already <laughs> the vocabulary that you use, too. So I love that. And I love the movie thing on the rooftop. That sounds amazing and, and so fun. Yeah, we've even taken trips as a studio. The pandemic obviously put a stop to that temporarily. But almost every year, we've done a Gretel outing for a couple of days where we go up to an old barn in the Catskills or go stay on the North Fork of Long Island. And there's no trust falls or formal activities. It's really like relaxing and chilling out and riding bikes or doing whatever with each other yeah yeah just getting to know each other it's not corporate in any sense whatsoever which is really nice. yeah there are no guest speakers <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> no calendar invites no zoom links that's good no that's right no <laughs> no well, like, does anyone want to check out this vineyard uh, down the street does anyone want to go shop yeah totally <laughs> yeah and what do you see as maybe the pros and cons of perhaps an agency having a structured program versus just having an intern join and and have them do whatever work you know that comes along the way i think structure is important but honestly our program is super simply structured it would begin with a few days of onboarding. When we were in the office, that would start just with an office tour and an introduction to everyone in the studio. And then we would get the interns settled into a workstation and just kind of slowly up to speed on the logistics of how we work. After that, on their first day, we would invite them to a ton of Slack channels, share our archive and active projects give them a chunk of the day to kind of have a look at a couple of past projects of different sizes and types just to get a sense of what a Gretel project looks like. And then once they've had that time to kind of get up to speed, they would jump right into joining a project team and become immersed in the world of that project until they move on to the next one. So the pro of that is 
essentially three months focused on real world hands-on experience without a ton of made up projects like the kind of thing that they would have done in school but then the con of that is less exposure especially when they're remote as soon as they get into a project team they then have less exposure to everything else happening in the studio that they're not touching day to day and then to compensate for this we've had an intern from a project team go sit on another project team's presentation or check-in or what have you just so they have a little bit more of a sense we've lost that for everyone throughout the pandemic of course so I think even in things like Dylan was talking about the roundup we are trying to do more project updates just so that we all know what's going on I mean it used to be so nice you could just peek at someone's screen and kind of get a snapshot of what's going on with a job and and now we kind of have to initiate that ourselves yeah and we're Think about adding some more of that structure to our internship program, remote or in-person. So I really have been thinking about this the last few weeks. We might set aside the first two weeks to fully immerse them in like each of the active projects and then have them start tracking each project's progression and give them time to absorb all the information the client has shared and everything that we've written and kind of designed and then track along with each one for a few days and join all the different meetings from strategy, naming, design critiques, presentations, whatever. Just seeing everything that's being done and how all the decisions are being made. And then the second two weeks of that initial first month, just giving them fun design projects that they can do themselves and really own. Things that would still be useful and live out in the world, like signage for our new studio. Someone needs to do it. <laughs> or the holiday card that we get letterpressed every year, which is always really fun. Or posters that we'll send to a client as a gift after a project. Then once that first month is over, probably back into the next two months being fully immersed in a client project. So they get a little bit of both. Yeah, I think what you said there is really key is giving a chance for an intern to build some confidence in the early stages of an internship. Um, You know, owning a project, even if it's small, like you said, designing a card or a poster, I think that that has a huge impact because I am actually an intern right now. But something Ian did for me was he trusted me in leading art direction for certain things and that that gave me confidence and it really sets the tone for the rest of the entire experience. Yeah, it's great to give them the experience and it's great to see what they can do all on their own because when you're working at school with a professor kind of influencing you or if you're working as part of a bigger team, it's harder to detangle all the threads of what any one individual person in that whole team is responsible for. And if they're coming into a project halfway through or a third of the way through, part of the decision-making process in terms of design has already been done. Uh, We might not be exploring colors or fonts anymore. So it gives them a chance to collect all of those muscles. So now I kind of want to bring it all back and, and sum it up in a way of, you know, maybe you guys can share your piece of advice for agencies who want to start their own internship program. What's your little nugget of wisdom? And you can even approach it from a side of interns applying to programs as well. Like, do you have advice for them on how to stand out beyond a technical portfolio? Yeah. So for an agency starting an internship program, I would say just start small and start simple. Start with one intern at a time. That's what we did. And give your program a really simple structure. So we spent the first week onboarding the intern. Then we just treated them like a new junior employee when we started. The evaluations that we added on later, I think, have been really helpful. And getting a little bit more feedback when we do a kind of exit interview has been really helpful. And as the program grows, you'll gather more interns naturally. You'll have different types of interns in the end. And the internship program will change. Just try and let it all happen naturally and learn from your experiences and the feedback that you get from all the different people that participate over the years. And then for interns applying to programs, my advice would be just reach out to everywhere that you're genuinely interested in. Don't (laughs) shotgun out 30 different applications to 30 different emails you find somewhere on the internet. Sit down and create a list. And for me, having one strong filter made it a lot easier. I knew I wanted to move to New York City and work there. So that eliminated a lot of the different studios around the country. But for someone else, it might be a discipline or a type of client 
or a size of a place, you might know that you want somewhere where there are only three or four people and you're going to really be able to dig in and get your hands dirty. Or you might want the support of a big in-house place or a big agency where there is tons and tons of support for you. There'll be places that everyone's had their eye on. Everybody picks those up all throughout school. But I definitely encourage people to also just look around. There are tons of great databases that are online that collect studios from around the world. There's one called Studio Index. It's really good. There's another one called Open Directory. There's one called Atlas that has three A's. Uh, And there's a whole bunch. I have like these I could share with you guys. Then just rank your picks and start reaching out. Don't worry at all about whether they have a posting on their Instagram or website about like an official internship. Just reach out to whoever you like. And if they're not currently looking for interns, you can always ask for a kind of meet and greet meeting, which is a little bit less formal. You still get to show your work and you get a feel for each other. And at the end, you can just talk about what you're available for. And a lot of times it leads to, I have a friend that fill in the blank place that's been looking for someone just like you. You should go talk to them. They might recommend you to somebody else. And those personal recommendations that could come out of either an interview or a meet and greet go a long ways further than emailing info at. (laughs) Dylan, I know you talked about this a bit on our past episode with Ian. You brought up an analogy that I think fits really well. You said going from a junior designer to head of design was like going from musician to conductor. And I love that comparison. What I gather from that is, you know, something I've also taken away largely from my internship at Butcher Shop is the value in just listening and just observing. You even said that you purposely don't like to work with headphones on because you like to hear the world around you. And I think that's great. In this vein, I want to ask both of you, do you think design is just a response to observing the world around us? And if so, what do you think the world is telling us these days? Oh, man. (laughs) The thing that I keep seeing in design and in the world, in culture generally, is all of these moves towards diversity and equity, inclusion, decolonization. Obviously, there's so much to be done there. You can see it starting to happen, both at an individual level, just things people are doing on their own, not tied to any organization, but also at the big institutional level. There are resources like the Where the Black Designers Job Board that are great. There are things like Dark Matter University. All that stuff's really, really exciting. You can even see it, though, out in the world when you're reading a label at a museum or when you get an email from a cultural institution about the new works that they're commissioning. I think that's the thing that stands out to me. You almost can't not see it everywhere. (laughs) Well, I agree with everything that Dylan has said. I also like that I'm seeing a bit more of and hope to see even more of just kind of a dismantling of there being a top trend in design or a top thing on a pedestal that we should all be aspiring to. I like that there's a ton more styles around now that all have kind of equal merit and value. For the rest of the episode, you'll be hearing conversations I have with folks at Butcher Shop. I gathered some quote-worthy insights about the hiring landscape, the design industry, and most importantly, how we at Butcher Shop structure our internships and what we look for in emerging talent. My first guest is none other than our own Butcher Shop internship coordinator and brand asset manager, Shaheen Korshidian. Shaheen has been with Butcher Shop for about six years. He started out as a designer, but later evolved his role into managing both the internship program and everything that's brand asset related. He also has an amazing podcast called Reality Woo Woo for all you Zodiac and astrology lovers. Shaheen and I had a great conversation around what it takes to not only run a successful internship program, but also what it takes to get your foot in the door as an applicant. So when we first started our internship program, it was mostly about just bringing in talented folks who wanted a creative job experience and we would give that. And every year I feel like we built upon it more. I would kind of make stuff up as I went. Like I remember one year an intern came through and I thought it would be a great idea to have a project to leave with. And I knew that we oftentimes don't have client work that finishes in the time that an intern finishes their program. And realistic client work takes so long that I couldn't 
I knew that we couldn't commit to having them have something finished like that. So I wanted to create their own project for them. And it usually became something that was for our company, like something that we as a team don't have time to build, but we always want like a project playbook or a process or a brand book, even like a company culture brand book. And over time, we kind of experimented with different things. Like when we had to go virtual in 2020, we decided that it would be cool to have these three interns be like a mini in-house creative agency just to see what what would happen. We had goals, but we also didn't have big expectations. We just wanted to see what would come out of it because no matter what, it would be cool. It would be something of value for us and them, even if it was small. And now this year, I'm being interviewed by an intern. So that's really meta to think about. I don't know how to answer this question. Now I'm inside the question. So I have also general questions before I get into specifics. I think the most broad one is maybe what do you think is like the most important aspect of the internship? And what do you think makes or breaks a good internship? That is a great question. My mind went straight to answers that no one's going to be happy about. I wish that, you know, I wish that they were going to be better. (laughs) Like, I feel like interns often, they listen to questions like this and they're like, this is going to be the one, this is going to give me everything I need. And the answer, (laughs) like what makes or breaks an internship is usually what people already have inside of them. It's not going to be any like mentor that you work with. And it's not going to be a teacher that taught you how to be a good worker or uh, like a class that you got an A in. It's just going to be, 100% up to you. And that is a really confusing answer because I think sometimes interns think, oh, this is up to me. I have to like create my own path and I have to show that I add value everywhere. And sometimes that can actually lessen your value if you think I have to go over everywhere and point myself out to everything. But it just depends on your personality. One intern that I've worked with, they set up their own meetings to connect with their leaders at our company and they since have got a job and they are very much admired by their team and it has to do with how flexible they are with their team but how open and honest they are and also how committed they are and how reliable they are right and so you say that a large part of the success of the internship depends on the intern themselves but If you're trying to start your own internship program, what do you think could help our managers kind of guide the intern? Or what do you think is essential in letting them kind of build their own experience? So that's really funny. I have the opposite advice for the people who are in charge of the program. They need to keep complete control over everything. (laughs) They need to like own all of the situations that the interns are in as much as you should empower the intern to be their own person and lead everything. Like as the leader to that individual, you have to, with me, I'm the intern program coordinator, but I'm also working with other senior professionals, directors who are also working with the intern and it's all going to be kind of happening around you. But for the person who's delegating the work, they have to do a lot more work for that. They have to set aside time before the meeting to prep their mind to like organize what doing what and and also plan ahead for when to get feedback on that stuff. And then they have the meeting with everyone and then they endow everyone with that power and and their tasks and then they come back and then they have to provide feedback that feels useful and valuable. And the interns looking for like a real connection. They're not looking for just like, oh, this is this logo is better now or this color is a better hue. They're looking to understand who they are in relation to you. There's a there's a balance that has to happen. Essentially, interns should be very empowered to be their own person and take charge of their experience. But the leaders who are in charge of their experience should have complete control over all of that, even though the intern should have control. It's a weird balance to strike. So What's your advice on helping people showcase that part of themselves, the part that makes them unique beyond a technical portfolio? I want to read this meme I saw (laughs) as a first funny answer. It's a meme about relationships and things that you should keep in mind when you're starting a new relationship. So rejection is not as personal as it feels. Liking someone or a company 
is more about compatibility than inherent worth. And so I, I don't know why that it stuck with me, the meme, but it's very much true. It's not about individuals as people. Sometimes it might be secretly, but most of the time it's just because we as a company or a company is looking for something very specific that can help them with a problem that they have more like tangible advice for them. I'd say that there's so much good work that comes through all the time. I, I save all the good work that I see and I'm like, Ooh, this person's, <laughs> this person's portfolio. Like I want my portfolio to look like that. <laughs> I think that every intern, if you were to ask them what they want to grow or what they want to learn, most of them say, I just want to expand my skills like very generally and vague. They, they're like, I just want to keep learning and grow and, and figure it all out. But an intern who's like, I want to grow because I love photography and I love branding and I like to travel so that I can take photos and make books for myself. That was something specific that an intern said to me that I, I thought, oh, that's great because they have like goals in mind. They're not just trying to like spread their wings and fly <laughs> into the sun. They have like specifics that they can work with and those specifics that they want to grow at. We actually have a lot of we need that. So this intern ever since then, they've kind of ran our photo studio and they're a um, designer now. They have climbed the ladder a little bit. Internships are not here to just teach people from from nothing where we need someone who's like wants to grow a skill and if we have a compatible kind of offering that can help grow that skill then absolutely we want to connect both of that like allow someone to grow the thing that they want to grow saying that you want to work with like-minded individuals that's not specific enough everyone does <laughs> stuff like that is like think more about what it is what's the thing websites logos our direction, like find a thing. That's good. Yeah. I read this article recently that talked about the experience vortex, which is basically the paradox of interns want to do internships because they want experience, but they don't get hired because they don't have prior experience. So mm. I'm thinking like something that could be valuable to people who are trying to land their first design internship or just an internship in general is something that I did in quarantine, which is I worked on myself before I yes. tried to apply places. Because if you don't know what you want to improve, like you said, like if you don't know which direction, what goals you want to work on, what skills you want to build, you just have a really hard time pitching yourself because you don't know yourself. And yeah. I think that the time I spent in quarantine, I built up my portfolio because I was doing projects that interested me genuinely. And I learned from that. And I think that that's honestly what helped me land this internship right now mm -hmm. is because yeah. I spent that time and there is no shortcut for that. You just have to do it. I do think that your energy and the way you approached wanting this internship was very helpful too, because like, you didn't know what you wanted at one point and you asked if I could have a call with you. And I was after work, I went to a dog park, but of course I wanted to talk to someone like it was fearless of you to kind of reach out and say, can I talk to you about this? And of course my secret desire was that I was going to snatch you as an intern and keep you for like all of our creative efforts. But I, I really, my goal was mostly just to like figure out what you wanted so that if you didn't want to be at butcher shop, I didn't want you neither. But since we talked on the phone and you were kind of, you were transparent about whether or not you want to work in more entertainment driven stuff at a different agency. And with that showed a lot of promise, you reaching out and just having a conversation. I feel like some interns, when we see the work, we're like, wow, this work is incredible. And then talking on the phone with them is like, I don't know how to talk to them. And not knowing how to talk to someone's heart because you want to work with them for like three months uh, at least. And especially in virtual world where we have to be on the phone calls and in a more like distant setting, it had better be easy to talk to people. There's something also to be said about the, the work that you have versus the personality that you're going to bring to the table. Like the work doesn't need to be A plus excellency. So many interns that we've hired, I think, had decent work on their website, but it was their interview skills and their potential that shown more. I'm not looking for someone who's just going to listen to everything that I have to say. I'm looking for someone who can, I can collaborate with and help my workload lighten a little bit, but also 
I want you to have an idea too, you know? For the following conversation, I sat down with Butcher Shop's global talent director to break down what she sees as trends in the creative hiring landscape and what Butcher Shop culture is all about. This is my conversation with Phoebe Gelfand. Phoebe Gelfand is the global talent director at Butcher Shop. Previously, she has worked in talent acquisition and people operations as both an in-house recruiter and headhunter for boutique and legacy creative agencies with a focus on long-term relationship building and a love of working with creative people. Phoebe, thanks for being here today. So excited to have you on. Yeah, totally. I'm excited to be here. How would you describe, I guess, the Butcher Shop culture in you know a few sentences or a few words? Yeah, I think I would... Like first and foremost, probably describe the culture as highly hyper transparent in a really positive way. And we have an incredibly deliberate culture that we take a lot of care and it's very, very people first. So yeah. And just again, like unbelievably transparent. I've worked so many places that just, you're really just in the dark about everything that it, to the point where it felt normal. I mean, it almost felt insane to like have so much transparency so it's been really cool to just see right yeah I want to know like what qualities for you stand out in you know like you mentioned looking through portfolios or looking through these candidates what stands out to you in emerging talent and how do you figure out if they're a good fit for butcher shop I mean I think specific to butcher shop it's definitely and this is probably true really for me at least as a recruiter like soft skills are really important. I want to, you know, I have so many initial conversations with people, introductory conversations with people where I'm both trying to, you know, suss them out, but also share a little bit about butcher shop. When that conversation feels like a really natural conversation, that's the best, right? Because then I'm, you know, I mean, for lack of a better word, entertained and and sort of happy to be there. And you can feel the energy and and the fact that the person on the other end is. So that's sort of just like a general note for everyone. Like, I'm always just looking to have a good chat. What's interesting, especially about younger creatives, is that oftentimes the school programs they were in are like more innovative than the agencies they'll go to. (laughs) So... And they're going to probably be doing like really like more cross-disciplinary and interesting kind of collaborative work. Are you noticing any, like, like, cause you mentioned people are like uh, coming from design school who maybe are like crazy, amazing designers and doing a lot of like experimental things or just really innovative stuff. Have you noticed like any trends in, in design candidates specifically? Are they trying to be like, a Jack or Jill of all trades or do you, do you notice anything, any kind of shift? Yeah, that's interesting. I do think that a lot of the the programs, especially the kids that I'm talking to at some of the design schools, I definitely think there's a real cross-disciplinary and generalist, maybe not even so much, but like just a real sort of innovative and cross-disciplinary approach. Like I definitely don't think your entire book should be your student work and it shouldn't even really be your passion projects totally but I do think having some of those in there especially as you're developing that portfolio right as like you still have so much student work and not a lot of professional work yet like working on projects with your collaborators and friends and and doing things that you're really passionate about are amazing because then you can get some that some of that out of you too and out of your system while you're maybe doing not the ideal, total, perfect job yet and designing the exact thing you want to design or writing the exact thing you want to write, you know? Right. Yeah. I've kind of come across this thought when I was talking to some other past interns as well is I'm thinking like, is there a detriment to trying to be everything, like trying to do all of it? Because I, I almost find that like, it's quite hard to first figure out what you want to do. Second, figure out what you're good at. And third, like how to talk about yourself while doing all of those things. And so I, I notice everyone who's a designer wants to also be like me, an entrepreneur, also wants to be a strategist, also wants to do, you know, X, Y, Z. And so I think that there's a bit of intense pressure that people put on themselves and this kind of noise around that, that I'm noticing. And I don't know it. I think it's great because there's a lot of ambition in it, but I can also see it being hurtful to young people from like a mental health standpoint as well. Totally. I mean, I think uh, two things. One, there's really something to be said for focusing, right? And not trying to just get okay at everything, but really trying to like hone your skills and and really dive in. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, I think those of us that 
know exactly what they want to be are the minority by far, you know, more myself, very much included, but, but absolutely to your point on burnout, like another important thing is like, even for create, especially maybe for creatives, like these are jobs, like they are not your whole world. They can't be like, you have to have your friends, your family, your creative hobbies, you know, you don't have to monetize every creative hobby too. Like, that's another thing I see all the time. It's like, oh, I'm into making jam. Like, are you selling that jam? It's like, no, I'm just making jam. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just let me make jam. I want to ask you, what do you think about like, cause I think this is something butcher shop does is that when there's a great candidate or a great person we want to bring onto the team, we almost like cater the title around that person and around their skill sets versus, you know, traditionally like candidates will apply for a specific role. But sometimes I'm noticing as the creative industry gets bigger and wider that there are new roles being created that like people don't really know about and that didn't exist like three years ago. So I'm interested just to like learn and hear about your perspective on that is like the shift of kind of agencies or creative companies forming these new roles and new positions. Yeah. I mean, I think to butcher shop specifically, I I love, I do love that. I think that's awesome. You're always dealing with people like at the end of the day who are going to bring different skills and different experiences. So this idea that you could find the exact thing you want is not a really very realistic way of looking at bringing people onto your team. Like, so I, I love that deeply about us. I do think that there is, a maturity process we're going through as an organization where we are defining the roles that people have and how they add value to the company. And I think that is an important maturity process. You know, when you're a little bit earlier on in your in your life cycle as an organization, people have to wear a lot of hats. And as you start to grow up and and bring more senior people into an organization, all those things, people have clearer skill sets. They're a little bit more T-shaped. They're really like, you know, yeah, they just, they have things that that can truly bring value to a certain area of the the business. So I think, I think there's a little bit of a shift in that happening for us right now. And I think that's an important shift, but I never want us to lose the understanding that anybody is going to bring in their totally unique experience to a role that sometimes people might start as one thing, like a project manager and like become a copywriter because that's, that's right for them. And and there's room for us to grow people into the things that they're really passionate and interested in. In general, I think, I hope people are getting more open-minded about bringing, bringing folks in and understanding that a younger set of talent is going to have again, they're going to have more, they're going to bring more to the table, right? I think there's a little bit of a danger right now of companies being so tight around their edges and their and their fear financially that they only want to bring more senior level people in because they want someone who just will do the job, knows how to do the job. And I think the problem with that is that you don't get, you just don't get that new energy, the new skill sets. Mm-hmm. It's great to have that energy and like youthful understanding of like tech and culture behind it. So I think we need to make sure that we don't lose our openness. We, and that's not even butcher shop. I mean, like collectively as a creative industry, (laughs) we don't like lose our passion to bring in young energetic blood because we'll miss out on a lot if we don't. So I guess I want to uh, also ask about something we talked about earlier, which is like the importance of soft skills and a lot of people know how to build technical skills, right? You can learn that on YouTube. You can learn it literally for free online. But learning soft skills is way more fishy and, and messy. And there's no guidebook for that. I mean, there's no guidebook for anything in life. But do you recommend anything that younger people do to help build soft skills? Like other than just live life, right? Because that's so <laughs> like, it's hard to kind of make that an actionable plan. Totally. I mean, I think back to my earlier recommendation of like networking and telling your story, Mm -hmm. like it is helpful. The more people you meet with, the more professional interactions you have, you know, the stronger those are going to be. I think, yeah, just paying attention, taking it slow. I've worked at so many really boutique places that just don't have the infrastructure to bring in Mm -hmm. um, entry level folks or they don't 
maybe they could, but they don't, you know, at the end of the day. So I think sometimes making sure that you're looking at environments that will allow you to grow mm. and, and learn from the people because the people like above you, there's enough layering or there's enough time where people can actually help and mentor you a little bit. Because I do think you know, that conversation around hiring more entry level and junior people is a hard one to have because the reality is that it it is super rewarding and valuable, but there is an amount of work that it takes for the more seasoned people above them. And that's just true. Like that's always going to be true because you obviously want to nurture and grow someone. So I think for more junior folks, like finding organizations, sometimes it's as simple as like that are big enough, right, that have an infrastructure where they would have like a layer of interns, and then maybe a layer of juniors, and then maybe a layer of mids that are helping the juniors out. For sure. Yeah. And also, you know, something I think that I personally struggled with is whether I want to join a, a company with a larger infrastructure, like you said, or join a boutique smaller firm. But, you know, the, the conundrum with that is that boutique smaller firms may not want junior designers and may not want those young people. But then <laughs> those bigger infrastructure places, I feel like the culture is often more diluted because you can't really have that community building aspect. And I think that to choose between the two can be hard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely. But that goes back to just the fact that these are all jobs, like nothing's going to be perfect. Right. I mean, I totally hear you. Like I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you one bit, but again, I think that just speaks to the fact that we all have to have that attitude of like, this is, my job there's other parts of my life that are really meaningful because i think that that sort of because we talked about this a little bit earlier but like that was something that was really sold hard to like i'm like an old millennial but like we were really sold on that so hard like your job should be so meaningful to you you should feel like you're contributing so much and like changing the world and it's like yeah you definitely don't want to feel like you're not connected or adding value i mean it's so much of your time right 40 plus hours of your like weekly life but it's also that's also just a way to get people to like (laughs) buy into capitalism exactly (laughs) that's exactly right especially after this covid year where we are just like I, i just feel like everyone i've spoken to it's it's like we've had a real change an existential moment a change of heart around things what are what are the most important things where are we really what are we really valuing and what what does what does it take to have a beautiful life? And I feel like it, like working seventy hours a week is not one of those things. And like everybody sort of has a consensus around that now. So yeah, but but you know you have to be ambitious and work hard. Ambitious is a word I hate, but like you have to be focused and work hard so that you can get yourself in a place where you're like you know all of a sudden you do look around ten years and like I feel this in this moment right now really deeply. Like I'm like oh oh I like manifested this place that's awesome and I'm really into it. And I feel really connected to everyone. My job is so hard to do if I don't agree with the culture, even the tiniest bit. So like, that's great. So, but it's like, it might not happen year two. It just might not, or it might happen year two and then not happen again year four. And then like happen again year seven, you know? So a little bit allowing the journey to be what it is. In this next conversation, I learned about this creative director's design origin story, how that's shaped his practice over his career, and advice he has for budding creatives. This is my conversation with Daniel Irizari. My guest today is Daniel Irizari, who is a Brooklyn-based designer and creative director at Butcher Shop. Before Butcher Shop, Daniel has worked in branding at agencies like Innerbrand and for AIGI medalists Ken Carbone and Leslie Smolin at Carbone Smolin Agency. Daniel, it's so great to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I would love to learn more about your design background and where you ended up and your journey to where you are now. I mean, I guess like for me, you know, so I'm originally from from Maryland. I was born in Baltimore and, and raised, you know, in, in, in the area. I didn't know much about like a graphic design or really any of that growing up. You know, I think the way that I, I kind of came to graphic design as a career and as, as something that people do was the way that a lot of graphic designers come to it was actually like through graffiti and like streetwear culture. And so as a kid, that, that was actually like my first entry into graphic design and typography was, you know, learning, learning about graffiti, about hand styles and bubble letters and straight letters and all that good stuff. And then, you know, really being introduced to, I think at that time, which dates me, 
is, you know, the, the Echoes of the world and the Zoo Yorks and all of the streetwear brands that, you know, that produced really cool graphics and graphic design for all of their clothing. And so I got an interest in that and then decided, you know, that I was going to go to school for it. And I actually, you know, moved from Maryland to Brooklyn, to New York, to go to Pratt Institute. And at Pratt Institute, I still thought very much that I was going to be an apparel designer. I mean, I worked in streetwear and I worked for a company called Methods NYC that was like a competitor to, at that time, it was like 10 Deep and Mishka and all these brands that most people probably don't know these days. So I want to ask about kind of the emerging talent side of things. Like now that you kind of manage your own team or you work with some younger designers, mm-hmm. what qualities stand out to you in emerging creatives and emerging designers? To me, it's, you know, I think one of the most important qualities is just like like a intense curiosity and intense, like just willingness to to, to learn more, to try things, to, to, you know, not see any task as insignificant, but an opportunity to maybe learn something new or to see something different. I think that's one of the things that's really exciting to me is just like, just to see how like psyched someone can get about things and just be really interested in things and, and kind of wanting to learn more and uncover those truths and about different industries, about different kinds of projects, about how, you know, to work with one another. And then the other big thing too is, is like teamwork. How willing are they to be, you know, part of a team and, and kind of shift that mindset from like, when you're in school, right, you're so focused on like, this is your work and you make work and it's all about like the individual's contribution and how, you know, how well is, is your work doing relative to your classmates and some 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 teams are like some schools right are shifting that right looking more at like assembling people in a team and then creating a project together but mostly in our industry right it's like it's not about you know your best thing it's right our best our best work our best solution for the client's challenges right and it's it's very much about teamwork and, and relationships so i think those two things do you see yourself in any of the young designers you work with or have worked with in the past? And is there any advice that you feel like you're constantly giving them? I, I do see myself, but also like all the young people coming out of school are like a million times better than <laughs> I, I was like coming out of school at the time. <laughs> Just cause like, I feel like I was still very much trying to like figure things out for, for so long. And I think, I think it was very different for me, but some of the feedback that I, I find myself giving a couple of things. I mean, one is I think like that their their ideas and their their point of view is like as important as everyone else in the room. And so that they shouldn't feel nervous or, or skittish to, to, to share that because their opinions are, are super valuable and super important. Like when you come out of school, I think sometimes you think like you maybe some people think they have it figured out, some don't, which is which is great. But like, you know, it, I think it's like there's a lot of work that has to be put in to kind of get to the level of other the people like other people that are in the studio like if you're looking at yourself against like a senior designer and it's like like don't necessarily feel bad about that it's it's like it just takes time right it's just like something you have to kind of keep working at and some people immediately hit the ground running and some don't and that's okay but it's like it's still valuable to contribute your ideas to work as a team right and to add value in in other ways right than necessarily being like i'm the the one that's coming up with all of the answers, all of the time. (laughs) Check out part two of this episode where you can hear it all from the perspective of WGI interns. Thanks for listening to this episode of Frequencies. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend and head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review and a comment. On Instagram, you can follow us at World's Greatest Internship and Butcher Shop Creative. This episode featured music from Zylo Zico. I'm Michelle Wang, and you've been listening to Frequencies. See you out there.